0: Trudy is first. Good morning, Trudy.
1: Hi, Bob. Hi good there. To talk to you again.
0: Likewise.
1: <laughs> okay, I have a question. About 10 years ago, my neighbor planted seeds into pots from a neighborhood tangerine tree that okay. that always has an abundance of tangerines.
0: Have lots of seeds in them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but
1: real sweet, really good, yes. but they're tangerines. Uh-huh. One of the little pots of seeds was planted into the ground next door to my house. And this year, 10 years later, it had two big oranges, one as big as a grapefruit. They were super sweet with lots of seeds. Mm -hmm. You said it takes seven or eight years for the tree to produce, but from tangerines to oranges?
0: Well, what probably happened there, and this is probably a variety called Changsha. Malcolm Beck really popularized it, helped a lot of people get started with it. And and the may, main way we can identify it is all those seeds, because some of the more modern hybrids don't have as many seeds. But a tree, a tangerine, an orange, uh, really pretty much any kind of tree if it doesn't have very many fruit on it, those fruit are going to get much larger. If it has a lot of fruit, then they're not going to get as large. So uh, what you're looking at is not really an orange. It is just a very large tangerine. And
1: It looks like a grapefruit.
0: <laughs> well, and because these were grown from seeds, every one of them is genetically different. And what you may have there, you may have a tangerine that makes bigger fruit. In fact, you may have the biggest tangerine uh, (laughs) variety out there because your tree is genetically unique. And I tell you, if it has big fruit, you know, several years in a row and produces a big quantity of them, you may want to consider propagating it through grafting or even from cuttings. But it's not unusual on a tree for in in a year when for whatever the reason it doesn't make as much fruit, the fruit that it makes can be much, much larger than it typically is.
1: Well oh, tell me the name of that that you think it is again?
0: Changsha. C H A N G S H A, I believe is how it's spelled.
1: Okay, is that one word? Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, well, uh, and what you said about uh, the fruit trees are blo- whatever blooming now. My little lemon that I talked to you mm-hmm. about before, it's blooming, and mm-hmm. I think this tree is blooming too, isn't it? so now?
0: It's about maybe- time.
1: Anyway, this was very interesting to me and the neighbors what happened to this tree.
0: <laughs> well, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if it continues to produce big fruit year after year. It's because it was grown from a seed. Its genetics are different from the original Changsha. They are different from the tree that produced the fruit. The seed came from, and anything's possible. And it may be that you just have a super large fruit of variety, which is a uh, which is a very good thing. But uh, above and all, trees just the trini-
1: the tree's about twenty feet tall. It's oh, yeah. real healthy and it's real tall. It just really grew.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh, but one more thing. The person that planted the tangerine tree down the street, I uh, she was a friend, too, and she d- didn't really care about uh, Um, gardening but she planted the tangerine tree never gave it any care and now the house is a rent house nobody gives it any care but every year it has tons and tons of (laughs) tangerines. how can that be
0: well tangerines you know many people spend a lot more time taking care of their trees than they need um this is uh, changsha is a very strong Very vigorous, very productive tree. Some people look down on it because they don't like having to, you know, eat around all those seeds, and they would rather go with one of the newer miho, sito, kimbro, some of the newer tangerine varieties that don't have as many seeds. But uh, you're just looking at what we would call just – hybrid vigor uh changsha is a very strong tree has very few problems produces lots of fruit nine years out of ten years just doesn't need much care from you so uh they're just I, a good hearty tree they just happen to be full of seeds
1: i can't wait to tell some of the neighbors that are interested so thank <laughs> you so much for the information
0: it's always a pleasure treaty okay. we'll talk again and let me talk to rick right now good morning rick Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? I'm um, great, thank you. How about yourself? Good deal. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Getting Good for the season. Yes, sir.
2: I a couple questions. Uh, I've got a raised bed garden. Uh, primarily, last couple of years been. Uh, it's only two years old. Uh, mm-hmm. Typical, you know, tomatoes and onions and peppers and stuff. Well, this year <laughs> I'm going to designate the whole garden to cucumbers.
0: Okay, <laughs> you uh, must like cucumbers.
2: Yes, sir. I uh, did have another spot in the yard that had group covers last year, but had some, some issues with them. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. But right now, my main idea is, is uh, preparing the soil. Okay. Uh, originally, it was a garden blend that I picked up from stone and soil that filled mm-hmm. the entire bed. It's been right. two years. I haven't done much to it. What would I put in there now to revive
0: that soil. What I do in my own garden and I don't if if cucumbers are what you want to grow I'm not going to tell you to just do the entire bed. I'm going to pick out the areas where you're going to plant your cucumbers. Uh, I presume you're going to plant them in rows with some trellisers or fence or something for them to grow up. Yes sir. I just put a line a band of fertilizer uh, any place that i'm going to grow a row of things like that and um and then i'm going to put a i'm just going to put a layer of compost on top of that one area i'm going to do that now as soon as I can because we're still not i don't think we're safe to be planting cucumbers out yet from plants or seed either one so I'm just put down some fertilizer and then i'm going to put some compost on top of it and i'm not going to do the entire garden area i'm just going to lay out the rows where i'm going to plant the cucumbers, or in my case, in addition the squash and uh, beans and things that, uh, you know, that I may plant in a row. Um, if I were planting tomato plants and things, I'd just be doing a cup of fertilizer and a mound of compost, move over another cup of fertilizer, another mound of compost. But where you're actually going to be planting in rows, I just put that band of fertilizer along. I put that compost on top of it. I would water that in if we don't get rain, uh, two, three, four, five, however long it is, how many weeks it is for it's safe to plant the seeds. You do that now, those seeds, uh, you'll, you'll have the soil in perfect condition when it is time to get the cucumber started.
2: Okay, okay, sounds great. And actually, I was going to do that as kind of reverse... Where I had my cucumbers last year, I'm going to put
0: tomato plants Okay. Year. Yeah, well, everywhere you're going to put a tomato plant, put down like a cup of fertilizer and, uh, you know, several cups of compost on top of it, and uh, and then I just, on those, I just make a little, a little crater in the top of it, water mm-hmm. every time I happen to be in the garden, and you're going to be amazed when you go to set your tomato plants out uh, how wonderful that soil is and how many earthworms have moved in right into that spot. Yeah, good deal, good deal.
2: Any recommendations? I plan on going to Rainbow Gardens and picking up some
0: some material. Um, again, I uh, uh, like if I the if you I don't know whether Rainbow Gardens still has any of the ladybug compost. Uh, I like that. There is a new compost out uh, under the Nature's Creation level. That's the best thing I've seen as far as a good blended compost, and uh, if they don't have that, they can certainly get it. And uh, I'm pretty sure they would carry uh, the Medina fertilizer at least uh, and maybe the Nature's Creation as well. So, yeah, are you going to the Bandera Road or the Thousand Oaks location?
2: Right, right. I was actually at the Bandera Road yesterday, and they do have that Nature's Creation. Well,
0: well, the third generation uh, of uh, the Kirby family is operating that one now, and they're good people, so uh, you'll get good products out there.
2: Now, a couple more uh, real quick, Uh, transplants or seeds?
0: For tomatoes or cucumbers? Cucumbers. Choice is yours. Um, If you're planting a common variety, seeds are a whole lot cheaper. If you're planting one of the improved varieties like Sweet Success or some of these ones where the seeds are, you know, 50 cents a piece or something like that, in that case, I'm going to be setting out plants. But if I'm growing straight eights, or I like one called Persian little fingers, I like the big old Armenian cucumbers, it's not worth uh, setting out plants. They grow so easily from seed.
2: Right. Now, you just mentioned those names. Upon uh, point on two varieties, uh, pickling and slicing. What would you recommend?
0: Um, golly, there's so many good ones out there. There's one called National Pickling. Uh, there's one that's called Straight Eight. Uh, there's one that's called poinsett. Um, the Armenian cucumber is a weird-looking cucumber. I mean, they get enormous, and they are still good. They have kind of a, a ridged white skin to them. <laughs> they're they're the most unusual thing. But if you want pounds of cucumbers, uh, they make a very good slicing cucumber. Um, for pickles. It depends on whether you're looking for little pickles or big pickles, but... Um, Again, the Persian little fingers cuke is a uh, smaller one, but straight eight points it, national pickling. Any of those are going to be a good big uh, cucumber for pickling. They're all the same. Just some of them uh, some of them people typically harvest a little bit bigger to make pickles. Uh, they harvest them a little bit smaller for salads and things like that.
2: Perfect, perfect.
0: One and if you question, want something, uh, let, me, let me tell you about one more variety to consider uh, for something a little unusual. There's something they call a lemon cucumber, and uh, it doesn't taste like a lemon, but it has a yellow color. It kind of looks like a lemon, but it's another old-fashioned variety that is a super heavy producer. So you might think about lemon cukes as well.
2: Cool, got it written down. Now, again, getting ahead of myself here a few months. Uh, what's a good natural way to get a rid of pottery mildew?
0: Um, you can soak uh, cornmeal in water and spray with that. Um, you can prevent a lot of mildew problems by spraying with garlic. Um, you don't want to do a lot of garlic spraying once the cucumbers start blooming because the garlic will repel the bees. But early on, Uh, Liquid garlic is a great fungus preventer. You're always going to have some fungus. Cucumbers are just susceptible to fungus. And if we have a cloudy wet spring, you're going to have to deal with it because it's going to be out there. But as far as controlling it, um, you can spray, uh, like I say, just soaking whole ground cornmeal in water. And spraying that is probably one of the best uh, things you can do. Uh, that's not going to bother your bees and things. And you've grown cucumbers before. So, you know, that the male and female flowers are separate. Uh, you're going to get flowers for some time before you have the cucumbers start to form because the other early flowers are all male flowers. But, uh, um, you should be very successful. Uh, Uh, Now, come the middle of the summer, your cucumbers are going to start playing out. You're still going to have time to plant okra at that point or maybe peppers or tomatoes or things like that. But uh, cucumbers, unfortunately, are not an all-summer crop. You can plant a fall crop if you want, say, the middle of August if if you're just uh, that much in love with cucumbers. Good deal.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate
0: you. Good luck with your uh, process. And like I say, two weeks from today will be our vegetable garden seminar. Come over if you want to maybe pick up some tips we haven't covered. Uh, love to have you anytime, Rick. Appreciate the call. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Bye. All right. Let's get back to gardening. It's going to be Cindy and Matt and Sam and Joseph in that order. Good morning, Cindy.
3: Hi. Thanks for um, taking my call. I thanks have for a calling. Regarding the um, uh, fertilizer that you mentioned in the la- for the last caller. Okay, do the bed preparation is has to, would has to grow work.
0: That's a great question. um has to grow is of course a liquid liquids are not as long lasting i tend to use the granular fertilizer before i plant and then follow up with the liquid has to grow afterwards Uh, has to grow is fine but i would not necessarily be putting it down in advance i would be using the has to grow when i'm actually putting the things in the ground if you're trying to get your soil ready ahead of time i think your dry granular products are better
3: Okay, and what would you recommend? What brand?
0: If you like Medina, they make a product called Growing Green, which is very good. Okay. Uh, Meister Grow makes something they call Texas Tea. Um the Nature's Creation people make a couple of alfalfa-based ones. Uh, the best one is what they call their premium lawn food. It's also organic, um, and it, it smells very pleasant and uh, probably be just slightly more expensive. Uh, ladybug, not Ladybug, but uh, Fox Farms, Makes, uh, makes some good products, including their Happy Frog label. They've got some good organics. Uh, Espoma is still another fertilizer company off the East Coast that makes lots of organics. I, I talk most of all about uh, Nature's Creation and Medina because uh, they are local and they are the most widely available products, but they're sure not yeah. the only good okay. ones on the market.
3: And, and you didn't mention anything about adding green sand to the raised bed. Should, should I put green sand in?
0: Green sand is a great supplement. Um, I'm not going to tell you that it's always necessary. Now, if you were planting something like gardenias or hydrangeas or something that really likes the extra iron, I would tell you absolutely. Um, uh, Medina in particular. It's not necessary. Not necessary. Not always necessary i 'm going to watch my uh, i 'm going to watch my vegetables, and if I see any micronutrient deficiency then i 'm going to add it. I will tell you that Medina actually adds green sand to their growing green fertilizer, so they 've already bumped it up a little bit but um Perfect. Um, Good. And if you're in town and want to, uh, I'm not sure what area you're in, uh, an area code, I can see the first few numbers of your phone number, but uh, uh, I will be teaching a a seminar all about organic vegetable gardening two weeks from today.
3: Okay, I will try to get that. I've got one other quick question. Yes, ma'am. Regarding ball moss, Um, and I've heard that you can take a mixture of uh, baking soda Mm -hmm. and... Spray it on? Uh Uh-huh. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. Uh, Baking soda used at the right time will kill ball moss. Now, the right time is not quite yet. The right time is April or May when the ball, ball moss, which is a bromeliad, of course, when the ball moss just begins making its spring growth. Baking soda will kill it. You don't want to overdo it because we don't want to put that much sodium in the soil. But uh the thing I will tell you about killing ball moss is it doesn't jump out of the tree. It, you know, okay. and and in my opinion, dead ball moss is uglier than live ball moss. But uh if you're doing it for you know appearances shape, keep that in mind. If you're doing it because you think it makes your trees healthier, You're wasting your time. Ball moss does not hurt a thing. Ball moss is an epiphyte, not a parasite. And uh, it tends Hmm. to grow. It tends, you'll see it often on dead limbs because it grows in the shadier parts of the tree, the interior parts of the tree. And the reason those limbs died out was lack of light. It's not because of the ball moss. I have trees all over my ranch that have had uh, ball moss in them probably for a couple of hundred years and they're still going strong. So anybody that's trying to get you to pay them to pick it out or something like that is just taking your money and I understand some people don't like the look of it. They want to they want to pick it out. Yeah. But uh, it's not harming your trees so don't feel like you have to spray for any reason.
3: So I, I, I have a, a couple of trees at my at my daughter's house and it does not have any leaves. It only has ball moss, so it uh-huh. probably I just need to do a sick tree treatment or something. What, Maybe what, there's other issues.
0: What kind of trees? They're oaks. Um, red oaks they're, or they're one they're of the just, deciduous oaks?
3: Uh, yeah, deciduous oak.
0: Okay. I, it's strictly up to you. They're huge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it it's totally normal for them to drop their leaves it is not as common to have a lot of ball moss because the seeds for the ball moss float through the air they look something like dandelion seeds with that little sail on them and red oaks tend to have smoother bark and consequently little seeds don't get stuck and start growing the way they do in that rough bark that live oaks have but uh uh, live oak is a, I mean, uh, ball moss is a bromeliad. Talansia recurvata is its botanical name. And uh, it's been around uh, its first cousin to the Spanish moss that grows all through Louisiana and over in that part mm-hmm. of the world. So, um, uh, it, you it, like I say, if you don't like it, you can pick it out. But don't try to get rid of it thinking that it's harming your trees because it really isn't.
3: Okay, so then what's... Something else is is harming the tree then because it doesn't even it doesn't get leaves ever.
0: Well, if it doesn't get leaves ever, it's, it's dead. probably dead. Um, there are live there are uh, red oaks, there are uh, canby oaks, there are many different oaks that are deciduous, but um, the most common we do have a disease called oak wilt, which is a fungus disease that is killing live oaks mm-hmm. and red oaks various places around the hill country and unfortunately a few places in san antonio but um uh, it's not normal for a tree to go for a year without leaves and unfortunately that uh, i'm afraid that tree's probably dead but it's certainly not the ball moss that killed it okay you probably How need can a good I
3: tell ar- if it's, uh, oak wilt um is there
0: there are oak wilt is a very complex issue i could spend hours telling you about it it is a disease which is spread primarily two different ways it uh the oak trees roots interconnect they graft and it can spread from one tree to another through the root grafts this happens with Mm -hmm. live oaks it happens in what we call moths of trees the way it spreads long distances um, is when a red oak, not a live oak, but when a red oak dies of oak wilt, it makes a reproductive structure called a spore mat, which occurs underneath the bark. And then those spores are carried around by little beetles called nitty the beetles and ambrosia beetles. They're what we call sap beetles because the normal thing they feed on is tree sap and then they are attracted to wounds on the trees and things like that, and they carry the oak wilt spore with them when they visit uh, pruning wounds or storm wounds or things like that on the trees, and that's how the disease is spread from tree to tree. Um, There are some very expensive chemicals that don't work that people will go out and inject your trees Um, sometimes trenching is used to try to limit the spread. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, we have found, and this is, uh, you know, the arborists are accepting this now. I've been talking about it for 20 years. But uh, whole-ground cornmeal grows a beneficial fungus called trichoderma. Trichoderma both prevents and helps to control oak wilt if it hasn't spread too far. And we introduce it by soaking some whole-ground cornmeal in water and simply pouring that over the root zone around the trees. and. um okay. Uh, again, if you ever want to bring pictures by or whatever, uh, I or one of our staff would be happy to look at you and you know give you some ideas. There are a handful of good arborists out there. The arborist that I usually call is Edar Tree Care. There is a consulting arborist named David Vaughn. He doesn't actually do the treatment, but David is the smartest man I know when it comes to trees. He teaches the courses that other arborists have to take if they want to become certified arborists. And um, uh, so I'm not going to tell you just call an arborist because not all of them know what they're talking about. But uh, if, you, okay. if you want a good arborist, I, I have confidence in Edder Tree Care. Yeah, and if you I want a consultant, I, uh, I yeah, do. David Vaughn worked for Ed Edder for many, many years. He retired the first of the year, but he still is continuing to do consulting work. He just didn't want to have to punch a clock. And, and he's, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say he's retirement age, but he, he has the mind of a much younger man, and he's an excellent man to do consulting on many different problems, including oak wilt.
3: All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help.
0: I will tell you one other thing, Cindy. If you want to meet and visit, the talk is not going to be on oak wilts. It's going to be on general tree care, but we have David scheduled to come give one of our Saturday seminars at Shades of Green. uh, During the month of March, I'll have to get that that, uh, list in front of me of exactly the date, but if you would like to come visit with him and talk to him, he's actually going to come uh, put on a program for... uh, Everybody wants to come to our seminars. That'll be sometime in March, and I'll give you some advance notice when it is.
3: Perfect. Thank you. All right.
0: My pleasure. Hey, I appreciate the call. You too. Thank you. Bye. Right now, though, let's talk to Sam. Good morning, Sam.
4: Good morning, Bob. Morning. I was down at Shades of Green yesterday, and I got some uh, Ladybug and some revitalizer. Okay. And how do you apply that now?
0: Where, yeah, is, there,
4: is there an a, 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 a spreader or applicator of any kind of do
0: that? Not really. Uh, the way I apply it, are you putting it over your grass? What are you putting it over? Yeah, grass. I just kind of sprinkle it out, and then I will take what they call a hard rake or a grass rake. I just flip it upside down so that bar is down instead of the tines, and I just use that to spread it around. It's
4: Okay, I have, I have one of them.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of, I like to think of it as exercise. Uh, the first 10 bags are exercise. After that, it gets to be work, so you don't have to do it all at once. But that's how I put it down. Now, in the vegetable garden, I just, you know, pour it in a bucket and go around and pour it in the places I'm going to need it. But putting it on the grass, I just, I'll open the bag, I'll spread it out a bit, but then I use that uh, upside-down rake to uh, do the most of the spreading.
4: You do that way with the compost and, and fertilizer.
0: Yeah, now the fertilizer, we have our own fertilizer Medina makes for us that we call Landscape Solutions. Uh, um, I don't think the Ladybug fertilizer is around, but the Ladybug revitalizer compost is very good. The fertilizer now, whether it's Medina or whether it's one Medina makes for us, yes, you put it on with a spreader, and we loan spreaders at no charge. So uh, that, that doesn't take any time or any great effort.
4: You do, you, you do have them to, to loan
0: out yes you? we do yes we do we only have about 10 of them so and we ask people to bring them back promptly but uh um we almost always have one in stock to loan out yeah
4: okay well thank you very much
0: sam it's good to talk to you you have a wonderful weekend and i know we'll talk again ah uh, let's see here next up is going to be joseph good morning joseph good morning morning sir. Uh, I've been- I've been
4: working on about a 10 by 15 plot of jasmine for three years. This is the third year, and it was supposed to fill out and cover the ground. Okay. And I had to be out of town for a couple of months to take care of a sick relative, and I was having some carpentry work and painting and construction work done on my house.
1: Oh,
2: man.
4: And I got When I got back, the painters and carpenters had poured their – Paint excess, their plaster, oh, and some of their concrete on my jasmine.
0: Oh man! Couldn't believe. Yeah.
4: They took their paint brushes and swiped them on my oak tree to clean out their paint brushes. But my jasmine are about eighty percent gone. I'm trying to revitalize them. I put some dirt on them, some soil,
1: uh-huh. and
4: I bought some to grow and some Medina green and grow.
1: Which
0: of
4: those two that I put on there to get them to come back?
0: Well, I would put the growing green down as a long-term fertilizer. It's going to feed them for the next several months. The has to grow is a faster acting, but shorter lived fertilizer. But what I'm going to do is put the growing green down now, beginning in about two weeks, I'm going to start, uh, uh, you know, putting the, putting the liquid has to grow on. I'm a little concerned about cleaning up the toxic material that the, Oh, that's, you know, I just I hate to hear that, but I hear it so often with building trades. Some of them are good, some of them are just you really sloppy when you're not around to watch them. But um, I'm going to suggest that you get some liquid molasses. You can get it at the grocery store, you can get it at the nursery, you can get it anywhere you like. But I'm going to be mixing that molasses about two tablespoons per gallon. I'm going to be using that about every two weeks, sprayed over the area because what's going to happen is the molasses stimulates the microbes, which are going to break down the toxic material that's been left in the ground. Now, your jasmine that survived is very definitely going to grow and spread. You may want to think about planting a little bit more jasmine in there, but don't do it until you have detoxified the soil. I'm going to do at least you know, four to six uh, molasses treatments to get rid of the solvents, the paint thinners, all this other crap that they dumped on. I just think people like that should have some of it poured on them just to let them know how it feels. But uh, we've got to detoxify your soil as well as feed the plants you already have. So uh, you're growing green. Your has to grow are going to be great things to get the jasmine that's there healthy and spreading. But I'd be spraying the whole beds, like I say, with a molasses solution every couple of weeks just to detoxify, to get rid of all the crud that they left in the soil.
4: That's two two teaspoons per gallon of water?
0: Two two tablespoons per gallon of water uh, with just any good molasses. Uh, Medina actually packages a good molasses or you know, but wherever you find molasses. Molasses is molasses. Some of it, blackstrap and all, has a few more micronutrients and things. But at this point, what we're looking for is the sugary material to stimulate the microbes to do the detoxifying. So shop for price. We're not looking for quality on the molasses. We're looking for price. And um, after this, it's just the best and least expensive way I know of to detoxify the soil, and I think that's pretty important here.
4: Where can you buy that molasses?
0: Uh, any good nursery, any place you yeah. buy your growing green or your uh, uh, has to grow is going to have the uh, okay. is going to have the molasses as well.
4: I don't need to use that re-fer- re-fertilizer or revitalizer. Revitalizer.
0: I don't think you'd really accomplish much by it. It's sure not going to hurt anything at this point, I think, fertilizer. And it's a real shame because the third year is the year that the yeah. uh, the jasmine typically takes off and fills in. But believe me, I know about family obligations and how that goes. But uh, yeah, I'd i would sure. So,
4: so I, disappointed.
0: Yeah. i I'd, so disappointed. I'd, I'd sure do some uh, negative publicity. Let your neighbors and people know who not. call when they need that kind of work done because that's just unforgivable but it's i can't tell you how often i hear that is pretty frequently but you can bring it back the molasses will help detoxify the soil uh the fertilizer will help the jasmine that's left come out and grow after it started coming out this spring and you see how much of it is there then you can figure if you need to go back and plant a few more plants here or there
4: well, I sure thank you. I needed some advice because I called you before and I thought, man, it's going to cover this year. I came back and it was eighty <laughs> <Yeah>. percent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and in this case, it wasn't your fault, and it wasn't the fault of the uh, of the plants. But um, oh, you know, I'm. Uh, Maybe maybe we'll get Martin bomba sitting there in the producer's room now, and maybe we'll talk to Martin Bomba about the the importance of dealing with a quality contractor that's not going to do more damage than uh, problems that he solves. But we'll get Jim and he and Jim started on that one of these days because they're just they're just an awful lot of. You know it's kind of like landscapers. all you have to do to be a landscaper is have a pickup truck and plastic sign and a shovel and Unfortunately, contractors all they need what a paintbrush and uh a white outfit and uh and all of a sudden they're expert painters and yeah it's just sometimes maybe maybe and, and Martin's looking there smiling at me but maybe he and Jim would do a little talk sometime about how to find a quality contractor how to vet a contractor how to be sure that you're hiring a person that's going to do a good job for you and uh, I think that'll be a great subject for the next show so keep listening after I finish up with plans yeah, today
4: well, I I know Martin Bomb but he's a great guy
0: <laughs> You're going to give him a big head he's sitting in there with a real big grin on his face now
4: yeah, he did some work for me, and he just put some windows in next door for the man next door yesterday, and they sure looked good.
0: Very sure good. Looked good. Well, listen, I appreciate you, you call, and uh, let's detoxify the soil. Let's see how much jasmine is left, and then we'll figure where to go from there. I'll look forward to our next visit. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. Appreciate the call. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Right. We'll finish up today with Wendy. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Bob. Thank good you morning. Will.
5: I transplanted or dug up some uh, bluebonnet plants about a month or so ago because I knew I was too late to plant seeds. Uh-huh. And so I transplanted these, put them in pots because I didn't want to have to water them where I'm going to replant them at. Okay. Uh, in the pasture in an area I'd like to get them started in. Uh, what, what do I need to do now?
1: Do, do well, I
5: put them out there where I want them? Do I just put the pots out there where I want them and let the, the seeds scatter on their own? or? Or do I actually dig holes and and plant them in the ground in the area that I want them to be next to it?
0: The, you know, they are, they are much less work to take care of if they're planted in the ground because chances are mother nature is going to do a lot of the watering and the care in, in the ground, they can spread their roots out so they don't have to be watered as often. And they are simply easier to take care of. Um, On the other hand, if you want to leave them in pots, if you want to let them go ahead and bloom and go to seed in the containers, then uh, you can certainly do that. But if they were mine, I would be planting them out there. I probably would be scattering a little slug old plus around because there are snails, slugs, pill bugs, things that will eat blue bonnets, just like they do many other plants. So we're going to have to give them a little bit of protection, but they're going to be a lot easier for Wendy to maintain if they're planted in the ground rather than keeping them in pots.
5: Awesome. Now, sounds like a plan.
0: here's one other thing. Um, Uh, they're going to make a fair amount of seed for you all things uh, going correctly but do plan on buying some more seed and putting it out at the appropriate time like July or August or September on into that time period uh, because supplementing the seed and it looks like I'm um, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed. It may this may be one of the best years in the past 10 years for bluebonnet seed production. So bluebonnet seed should if all things go well, we should have a much better crop of fresh seed available late summer, early fall than we've had in the past several years. So uh, great thing to be doing. You've got some plants. You're you're guaranteed pretty much to have some bluebonnet flowers to enjoy, but don't rely on them to do all of your seeding for next year. Plan on supplementing that seed, and then if the weather cooperates, you'll have a really beautiful patch by this time next year.
5: Perfect. Now another quick question, vines. I want to put vines all the way around. 100
0: foot square. Okay, you're, you're fading out. You want to put vines where?
5: Around a 100 by 100 foot garden area uh-huh. that I want to have for butterflies and uh, hummingbirds and all. Okay. And so do you have recommendations for what type of vine? And can I, if I have access to cuttings, um,
0: how,
5: how would I do the cuttings? Like, do they even?
0: You can exactly. root cuttings in perlite. We'll have to have a little more time to uh, talk about that. But I would be planting passion vine, uh, very good for many butterflies. I'd be planting what they call uh, oh the, uh, the little cypress vine. Uh, I would be planting some fragrant things.